0: Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast powered by IPC Indie. My name is Tom Baker, and this is episode 102, 102, which means that when we get to the what's in the number segment later on, we're going to be reviewing the number 02, and I'm just going to get this out of the way right here right now, so there will be no Jack Patrick moments in this show. Brandon Bellinger there. Um, But uh, we're going to have some conversation about this number because I have some questions. We're gonna do a little pop quiz later when it comes to this number. So uh we'll get to that later in the show. Uh what else do we have? Well we are going to continue our nineteen seventy six Port City 150 uh mini series, so to speak, and we're gonna kind of condense a couple of programs this week because in all honesty um there were more programs involved in this port city 150 span of time than it took to run it than i realized when i first thought this was a good idea so uh we'll just uh, kind of speed it up a little bit but um i just thought that this was a fascinating enough race to kind of take a look at and uh while we're teeing up some more of the 72 season rewinds uh which we'll get back to those of course but um thought we would uh throw that in and we did the first part of it on episode 101 so if you missed that go back and listen to it um and uh then this will be part two uh again just uh thought we could have some fun with this and and some unique sort of plot twists here so uh, we'll get to that as well. And we've also got, uh, well, Camden proud joined us and actually Camden, Camden and I did our interview last week, um, about the upcoming, we reviewed the, uh, previous weekend where we had the, uh, support classes as the headliners. So we talked all about that, uh, and then, uh, previewed the upcoming, uh, 4th of July weekend. Now, because this is a week old, we did it prior to the announcement that uh jody london's sports sportsman modified race sport mod race canceled again this time because of tires Ugh, man um jody i'm with you that's all i i I don't know what else to tell you except to say i'm with you brother um hate it and uh i'm afraid that uh that is a grave sign of things to come uh if things don't change in the country that is going to become much more commonplace in short track racing over the next uh uh six months and, and year so um man i don't know it's um it's a bad deal right now so i i hate that uh for jody but uh Ka- camden and i talked about um about that so just disregard that when you hear it i it, i didn't it i i thought about editing it out but um it was just uh, kind of hard to do that the way it was kind of woven into the discussion so um we'll just hope for better things for next year for that race that's really a shame um but that will be coming up uh in just a moment and then we've got uh, there's a new driver making his super modified debut at the oswego speedway this weekend and um Big block-wise, he may end up winning Rookie of the Year if uh, if he keeps coming. He's looking at um, running a few shows, um, I think, at Oswego. And uh, he, like I said, he could end up being the Rookie of the Year this year in the big blocks anyway. He's running both big blocks and small blocks this coming weekend. His name is Nathan Bird. And, of course, he is uh, a member of the – Famous bird, Jonathan, bird racing, bird racing family uh, from IndyCar and Open Wheel. So many of you uh, will know who I'm speaking of here. Uh, some of our younger audience may not. But um, Nathan, I met him last year. Uh, he was running a, a pro late model, but that wasn't all he was running last year. It was just uh, how I met him because I, I was announcing the series last year that he was competing in. But um he ran, I think, uh 12 or 13 different divisions last year, and this year the number has swollen. Y- you're gonna be amazed at this kid's backstory. Um he's only four years old in racing terms, but but he's run enough races to basically be um have his uh master's degree. Um and he's uh he's excited. He tested uh yesterday with michael Muldoon, so he's running a small block and a big block for michael this weekend and um look forward to this uh interview with nathan uh he's just uh, he, he's an outstanding young man college graduate really really articulate and uh and fun to uh talk to and be around and he has worked really hard at his craft um to be able to learn uh, the, the, the craft and, and the various types of cars that he's been given the opportunity to drive. Um, and so he'll tell you all about it, but I can, I can tell you, he's not, uh, he's not just having a good time. He has a specific goal and I love the way he's going about, uh, kind of working up to it. And so, um, hope y'all get a chance, uh, to, to go to the track on Saturday and, and uh, introduce yourself to him and say hi. He's, he's just uh, he's a great guy. So Nathan Berg going to join us uh, a little later on in the program as well. Um, opening thoughts. I'm going to keep them really short this week because I've been going way over time on the opens. Um, I will say simply this as my opening thought. Seeing how well the support division only works. Show worked out this past weekend I would not be opposed to seeing one or two more of those during the racing season uh going forward say next year forward at Oswego if it means um a giving the track one or two or three more race dates but b um if it means making it a little easier on the big block guys, as far as uh, more time between races. But the problem is that the, the climate up there, um, the, you know, it can still be snowing in April. So it's hard to really start much earlier than, um, mid to late may up there. But, um, I think that worked out really well and don't know how the crowd was. Um, but uh, certainly I thought that the racing was outstanding. So uh, I was really honestly surprised. And I really want to congratulate everybody in both divisions, because I thought that uh, both divisions put on some of the best racing. We've seen at Oswego in quite a while. And the finish to um, the uh, race that Tim Proud won was as, exciting and dramatic coming off turn four to the checker as anything that I've seen in anywhere in a while. It was great. Uh so really enjoyed all of that. And if you went and supported that as a fan, thank you because it is very important at this point. Um if you're able to go to the track and you're close enough to go to the track, go to the track. Support the concessions. Do all of that because I'm telling you, um, the, we used to take short track racing for granted. We can't anymore. It, it is, it is definitely something that is in peril. um, in terms of it's, you know, the supply chain and the gas prices and all of that. It's, it's really, um, we're not in a great place here. So we have to support any and all races that we can we have to all do as much as we can um you know buy a tire for a driver if you can whatever uh but but uh we all gotta we all gotta pitch in here because um you know it's it's definitely um a very sort of fragile time right now for a lot of short track racing your your tv divisions uh you know have all the tv money so you know that that makes it easier for them but uh, short track racing does not have the benefit of that sort of uh, safety net with with primetime TV money or whatever. So, um, you know, with the price of tires and everything, part shortages, uh, you know, travel, all of that. So we, we all have to really, really rally around our um, short track divisions and especially a division like the big block supers at Oswego, uh, but all of the support classes as well. And um, do everything that we can. With that, I'm going to step aside. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Camden Proud. We'll uh, discuss last week, uh, two weeks ago now, I guess, almost. And um, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll hear from Nathan Bird as well. And we'll come back at the end with What's in the Number and uh, the Port City 150 discussion. We're going to have some fun today. Hope you're uh, going to enjoy the show as well. Back with more in a moment. Hey, here's a little fish tale for you. It's about a place named Skip's Fish Fry. Skip's Fish Fry is located at 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. They're open Tuesday through Saturday 11 to 7, so don't call them on Sunday or Monday. They're gone fishing. They are open Tuesday through Saturday 11 to 7. They serve a variety of great fish, burgers, hopman hot dogs, conies, lobster soup, salad. They even have cheesecake if you feel like some delicious dessert. I love their haddock pieces. That's one of my favorites, uh, and they just have great food. It is the best fish in the port city. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. It is one of the first places that I go to eat every time I'm in town. So call Skip's Fish Fry or go visit them on their website at Skip's fish fry.com. and by the way you can order online and just go pick it up it's a great way to go ahead and take care of the not so fun part before you get there and then when you get there just pick up your food bring it home and enjoy skips fish fry 42 west 2nd street in oswego go visit them Welcome back to the Inside Groove. We continue with episode 102. Joining me now on the program is Camden Proud. Camden was very proud last weekend at the Oswego Speedway. So let's just, you know, we'll just go right to it because it'll be an elephant in the room until we do. Um, Everyone knows how close you and your dad are. And I think everyone um, knows how much and how badly you've wanted to find a way to get your dad back into the car and back racing a little bit and you know the dream of course would have been to see your dad win a race well dream no more Camden because your dad got it done last Saturday and the reaction uh with him and with you and your whole family that was all it was really cool to watch honestly
2: thanks Tom we're we're still on cloud nine and it honestly still feels like a dream for me. That was just an incredible moment. And I think I've tried to relive it as many times as possible since Saturday night. I must've watched the race replay three dozen times. (laughs) So it's just, just one of those nights that, that you'll, you'll never forget and really still speechless about it, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I bet. Well, um, you know, to zone out just a little bit, we'll get to that race in a moment, but, um, honestly, uh, You know, we we didn't have the big block supers there. We had just the support divisions last week. And, um, you know, part of the point I made in my open is uh, I don't want anybody to misunderstand when I say this, but I miss missed the big blocks. The other two divisions put on such a good show that I actually didn't miss the big blocks. There was some great racing in those two divisions. Um, obviously, I love the Supers, and and, I, and I'm not trying to make any statement other than to say that I think we've got two divisions at the Oswego Speedway um, that that can also put on great racing, and they showed it last week. That was the, all the races I thought were really good.
2: They really were, honestly, yeah. It's, it's like at Oswego, we're so lucky to sort of almost have three headlining divisions because I think the three fifties and SBS and most other tracks, they, they just as easily could be a headliner. And I was really hoping for not a repeat of June 4th with the SBS because it was such a unfortunate massive crash fest and so much pouring up equipment, really good equipment. And it was both, both features were, were great. Second one went green to checkered and, and the first one, had a couple little tangles but no damage equipment the 350 races were outstanding we had dave cliff and dalton doyle and then in, i think in that same race it, w- it was cliff and, and chase Locke battling side by side for five or six laps apiece. piece it, it looked like pace laps out there and, yeah. and they were wheel to wheel never touched just great clean racing so if you stayed home you missed out
1: well yeah unless you watched on flow racing like i did um and you know saturday was one of those <laughs> nights like i talked about in the open where i just i love technology because i was able to watch uh, four or five different races over the course of um of the night and uh including of course Oswego, and um just so much fun to watch the these these lower divisions um that you know people some people are well it's not a super modified guess what that's what it says, call them all supermodifieds and they put on some great racing. Um, so let's, let's dive in. So we'll start, I guess, with, um, the SBS division. Um, and you know, the, the, the first race in the SBS division, I actually thought, um, you know, again, you, you had, I I thought Andrew Shortner would really factor into this. And then again, you know, ended up, having an issue and wasn't able to factor in. And so then it's like, okay, well, who's going to, you know, who's going to step up and, and, and steal this one. And there are so many competitive cars in that division that you see a driver who shows up with no previous experience like Justin Sullivan did and actually comes out of the box running competitive It's not just who's up front in this SBS division anymore. There are great stories all over the racetrack if you pay attention to them because, again, the rookies are just outstanding. They are.
2: Yeah, there's just so much talent, veterans, rookies, and and like we've talked about, it's just such a healthy mix of drivers. And then last week we we gained Russ Brown. Yeah, the old fart came back. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, and Andrew and having Jesse Barrett back and, and my dad racing. It, it was really a, a tough competitive field last weekend. And I, it, it was anybody's race. And, and I just hope, like I said, that it, that it was going to all shake out clean and, and it did. And, and both races came right down to the last lap. And, and the first one, Danny was the bumper away from finishing fourth or fifth. And, yeah. and so was my dad in the second one and just really good, clean, competitive racing exactly what you want to see from the rookies and of course the veterans as well.
1: See, that was my point is, is it's the quality of the racing. It's it's. And, and those guys, like you said, somebody could have laid a bumper and it would have changed everything, but everybody ran each other clean and put on a great show and we ended up with two really good finishes. The second one, obviously, far more dramatic than the first because of traffic, right? But, um, but the the even the first one, you know, Danny was it wasn't like, you know, this was a lock for him. And gosh, that team, Danny and that team are just on fire right now. And you know, the key is that they're, you know, they're finishing all the races. I mean, there've been a few exceptions over the last year, but that team is, is finishing every race. And when you do that and you're up front contending, you're going to win your share. And you know, once he got the lead in the first race, um, you know, that, then it was his race to control and he just did a great job, but yeah, it was cool to see Brownie back. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, even if it sounded like, you know, that's not a full-time thing, obviously. um, But just to see him back in a competitive car and, and going out there and again, right away, challenging for the win. That's what you get with Russ Brown. He's, he's, you know, in that division, he's old fart. Like I said, he's been around (laughs) for, you know, almost 20 years in that class, actually uh, just about 20 years, I think, um, in that class off and on. And he, he just instinctively knows how to go to the front. That was a fun race to watch.
2: It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and Russ came from eighth and got up to third yes. and, and Danny starting in sixth. And by no means was it a runaway. And it, it took Danny halfway through the race to, to finally get by Greg O'Connor. Yeah. And then Greg had some bad luck. We had Jesse bear up, up in the top five. He had some bad luck, ran out of fuel and guys were able to come pick their way up through the field. My dad, Noah Ratcliffe, And Noah, man, if, if there was anybody other than my dad that I could have picked to win on Saturday, (laughs) it would have been, it would have been Noah and bridesmaid twice in in one night. And I have to say, he's just such a good kid and such a clean, talented racer and ran behind Danny the last 10 laps of the first race and same deal with my dad, the last 10 laps of the second race. And I don't think he, he put the bumper to either one of them more than once or twice and, and just just a clean, good racer just so talented. And then he came over to my dad and says, I'm sorry. And my dad goes for what? <laughs> and he said, I hit you. My dad says, you did. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> it just, yeah. He, he just, it was just so, so good to see that um, a young second year racer like that have, have the respect that he does. And Griffin Miller is another one. And, and there's many more, but just so much fun to watch. So enjoyable
1: well and you know the funniest thing for me and and again you kind of went went through both features there we'll go through the finishes in a moment but you know the funniest thing for me was after the second race your dad wins and and you know gets out of the car and whatever and then he goes to start posing by the car for the photos and up, up comes you know Danny to you know play photobomb and <laughs> you know does the little rabbit ears with a with the the expression on Danny's face was priceless um, just the look that he had you you know, uh, and uh, I was wondering if anybody actually got that, got a photo of that because it was, it was, that was a classic moment and it was great sportsmanship on Danny's part to do that. And that's the kind of stuff that to me has always made a Swig of Speedway is over the years, you see that so often somebody wins and everybody else is the, they're all the competition is the first to come over and, and congratulate him. And and that race between those three down to the wire. Um, you know, was just had me literally on the edge of my seat, just number one, hoping that I didn't see a big crash, you know, right. (laughs) And, and then number two, um, you know, just hoping that whoever wins, um, you know, they, they do it by racing each other clean. And that's exactly what happened. There were opportunities, Um, no doubt. And your dad was making that car two grooves wide over the last like 10 or 15 laps of that race. Um, you know, watched him kind of the arc going into turn three. And I'm just like, Oh gosh. Um, you know, and, and Noah, you know, Noah never, um, he never took the risk of sort of stuffing the car in there. Um, you know, and that could have ended up in a three car pileup if he had, or, you know, or more. So, um, just the way that, that that class drove, and the way everybody raced um, is is what I hope will continue. And and I also have to say I haven't I haven't commented on this, but um, there are some really nice looking SBS cars now. It's like Greg O'Connor's cars, beautiful. Um, you know, white. I always, I always say white can be white is often boring. His car is not, and the body shape. Some of the, some of the, the these guys now, including you guys with the with the fifty four, the the body shape is it. It's so much um more. I don't want to say super like, but certainly trending in that direction. And I think. Uh, you know, it just uh, it's enjoyable to actually watch the cars run because, like I said, there's some really sharp-looking equipment out there. I
2: agree. There really is. And I thought it was cool with Greg O'Connor. He kind of went the NASCAR route on, on the number and has the number actually in the middle of the car versus yeah. back on the tail. So, so that was cool. Um, just a lot of really good, dedicated teams. And there, O'Connor's a three-car team. A lot of dedicated rookies that have, that have come on board and, and just adapted to this class so fast. You look at what DJ Schumann's done now, uh, picking up several top tens, a couple top fives. Jude Parker's a great racer. Robbie Wirth was knocking yeah. on the door for some top fives. Tony Stevens, same thing. You had Derek Hilton, John Carson, Greg Richardson all getting their first top fives. Drew Pascuzzi has a ton of speed. Jordan Sullivan finished his 10th on his first night out. So there's just so many cool stories within these races. Like you said, it's not just about the top four or five cars. It's all the way through the field. There's there's so much happening and so many little storylines to, to keep our eyes on. It's actually hard to keep up.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know, again, you think about somebody – I mean, I – you know, Sullivan um, – St- uh stuck out for me because i i have no idea of of his background or if he's racing anything before but you know watching him you know kind of hang off the back of the the heat race and then seeing how well he was running by the time the feature rolled around it's like well if he ha- if he doesn't have any racing experience this is really a big story but even if he does um the composure and and the maturity that he showed at least you know for what little we could I could see on the broadcast was just extraordinary and and that's it's it's really unbelievable to watch uh some of these rookies the way that they're driving already and uh, you know to think about where we're going to be in another month when they have four or five more races under the belts i actually think that um a night like we had the other night where they run two features, even though they're slightly shorter each, it ends up being more laps, um, you know, is, is really good for those guys because it gives them two chances to, you know, two chances to race instead of one. And, um, you know, it's just going to improve their skill set even more. So, so both of those races were great, but that finish at the end of the second race, um, any of those three could have just as easily won. And, you know, that, that down to the wire, that's as close of racing as you would ever want to have anywhere in any division coming to the checkered. Um, that race was never assured. And, um, you know, it was, it was obviously great to see that your dad held on. Um, but, uh, I would have been just as happy to see Noah or, or Danny Kay win. It, it was, um, it was really a great race to the finish and one of the best, Races to the finish that I've seen at Oswego in quite a while in any division.
2: Well, it was a little too close for my liking. But for, the, for the fans, <laughs> yeah, it was I good. Imagine, yeah. I was jumping up and down like a maniac, of course. And I saw that pack of lap cars coming, and I remember looking at my mom and I said, "Here we go!" I said, "Lovely, they're going to catch this pack of cars with one lap to go." And sure enough, coming down the back stretch into three, I'm thinking, "You got to be kidding me!" And I said, "Go to the outside, Dad," and and he did, and shoot if he didn't know it was making a bid down low and, and he went way low and actually yeah. cooked it sideways and and Danny was able to take advantage. But what a what a finish I, I watched Don Gray's video and everybody was, was standing up at the end of the race in the grandstands and you, you didn't know what was happening coming out of turn four. It, it was it could have went one of three ways and yeah. I, I'm glad it went the way it did, of course. But just such great racing and and sportsmanship between all three drivers yeah, it and, was. and really the entire field all night. It was great experience for the rookies and all of them pretty much getting through the night clean. And Jordan, by the way, has some go-kart experience okay. and several wins in the go-kart. So there's another cartway competitor that the feeder system working well there, but uh, the poise he showed to, to miss the accidents in front of them, you know, has no big car experience, just practiced it for the first time Friday night and, wow. and shows up and does, and does such a good job. So, Just so many great takeaways from from Saturday night.
1: Now, is that the old Sokolik? Car. it is okay yep good so that's good that josh was able to sell that because now they can focus on the 350 um and it was a shame that it, it was like man this is a winning car and, and you know somebody buy this thing well jordan finally did and you know again it's a good stable car for him to start in and he certainly made good with it uh uh that night and so yeah two really good races um let's go ahead finish for race one
2: Sure. First was the 23, Dan Kapazinski. Second, the 73, Noah Ratcliffe. Third, the 89, Russ Brown. Fourth, the 54, Tim Proud. Fifth, the 62, DJ Schumann. Sixth, the 04, Rob Worth. Seventh, the 24, Tony DeStevens. Eighth, the 49, Josh Wallace. Ninth, the 90, Greg O'Connor. Tenth, the 27, John Carson. Eleventh, the 01, Greg Richardson. Twelfth, the 00, Jude Parker. Thirteenth, the 2, Jordan Sullivan. Fourteenth, the 37, Jesse Barrett. 15th to 66, Derek Hilton. 16th to 35, A.J. Larkin. 17th to 9, Griffin Miller. 18th to 72, Drew Pascuzzi. 19th to 18, Andrew Shartner. 20th to 14, Mark Denny. And I was out of breath at the end of that. So we have enough cars for me to be out of breath at the end of the finish. <laughs> that's because you're order. trying so to
1: read it all without breathing. You don't need to That's do a that. good thing. <laughs> good job. Okay, so now let's see um, how you can fare with the race, too. Uh, we already know who won, Tim Proud. Congratulations. Uh, go ahead and give the rest of the rundown.
2: Second, the 23, Dan Kapazinski. Third, the 73, Noah Ratcliffe. Fourth, the 90, Greg O'Connor. Fifth, the 89, Russ Brown. Sixth, the 37, Jesse Barrett. 7th, the 18, Andrew Shartner. 8th, the 9, Griffin Miller. 9th, the 62, DJ Schumann. 10th, the 24, Tony DeStevens. 11th, the 00, Jude Parker. 12th, the 72, Drew Pascuzzi. 13th, the 01, Greg Richardson. 14th, the 14, Mark Denny. 15th, the 22, Ryan Gunther. And he had a nasty hit yeah, in his speed race, but yes. they were able to fix the, the car for the second twin, which was... Which was good. At least keeps him in the rookie points race. For sure. John Carson finished behind him, sixteenth in the 27th. Seventeenth was the four Rob Worth, eighteenth the two. Jordan Sullivan and nineteenth the forty-nine. Josh Wallace.
1: Okay, so now let's switch gears and go to the three fifty class. And here's a class again, not the biggest car count, but holy cow! Um, first of all, watching Chase Lock run that first race and watching him outside inside outside and yet never really putting the car at risk it reminded me a lot of a young steve joya back in 75 when steve was first um starting to to really they had the new car and and steve ended up winning his first couple of races that year but Chase reminds me of Steve. He Steve was not afraid of the top and used it to his advantage a number of times. But, um, you know, Steve was never the the guy to put the car at risk. And, um, you know, he was very calculated. And I feel like as young as Chase is, you watch how he drives the car and you don't get the it's not wild boy or not, you know, sort of fearless boy. It's very much, I know what I got and I'm going to keep working until I get by you. And the way that he worked the top um, in that first race and finally got around um, and got the win, that was pretty incredible stuff, I thought, to watch him drive like that.
2: It was, yeah. He's an unbelievable talent, especially for his young age. And yeah. it's, it's still hard to believe even for me, when I see him get out of the car and he's just, he's so, he's just so little yeah. and and, and, and soft spoken, but, but does such a good job wheeling a race car. He, he looks like a 20 year veteran out there and just races with so much maturity, has a great head on his shoulders, takes care of his equipment. You never see him wreck anything up. You never see him blow to the inside of somebody and, and knock him sideways to pass him. He's not reckless. He's, he just is so talented and, and like i said mature beyond his years so somebody that i hope we can enjoy watching in the 350 class for the next season or two but that i also hope will eventually move up to a big block because he certainly has the talent to
1: do it going to have to have two big blocks in that stable for that to happen cuz ryan is yeah. uh, his time is coming if he can just uh get rid of the voodoo doll somebody's got uh, on him um you know he's know he's going to he's going to show what he can do but chase just was that was really cuz dave cliff was not running poorly chase just he just outdrove him and 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 that's really all you can say um, and, and again, not to say Dave Cliff drove poorly, but Chase just and, and in the second race, of course, you know, we say he doesn't wreck anything. Well, he, he climbs up on top of the wing and ends up breaking one of the ring, wing mounts. So they had to fix that for the for the oh, second race. And I think I it, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the. Um, I, th- I think it, you know, the car might have been just a tad off, um, you know, in race two, but he still ends up, um, you know, with with a podium finish. And again, the kid just um, the kid just doesn't, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a rare day. Actually, I don't. Did he end up finishing? I think he or did he pull off? I'm trying to remember. He might have had a problem.
2: Um, no. So Dave Clifton kind of run away with that second race and then they caught up to callie and when they went around to lapper that's dave and, right. and callie yes. brushed wheels yes
1: In and that's callie got knocked
2: he did. sideways and kind of launched chase up into the wall and chase made a phenomenal save but i, I probably knocked the toe out and bent yeah some stuff on the front that's end what happened they, yeah when they hit so i
1: was trying to think i knew there was something more that went out you're right that's what it was and i'm not sure dave and Kelly touched i i i think callie might have just you know, gotten spooked a little bit. Spooked, yeah. Um,
2: it looked like they did, but I, I'm I, not sure. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. It's hard to, yeah. hard to say from the video, but it, it probably did spooker. But man, that, that,
1: that for, for, for chase to save that car was, so that's why again, you look at this class and you know, all right, Tyler goes out, wins the first race. Um, you know, Sobis who, who just came off the win, Sobis had an issue and so wasn't a factor in race one. And then his teammate goes out and wins uh, or goes out and runs up front with Tyler or with Chase. Uh, Chase ends up winning. Tyler's running fast. He's competitive. You got Cliff up there finishing both races in second. Mike Bruce was quick for a little bit like that. Again, that field now, you know, in, in Sobus, they never did quite get that car perfectly know, perfectly well for race two, but I right. would I'm what my point to this is. And then you had a new guy in the 32 car that went out and finished, I think top five in his first time. He did. Mark Schultz is that it was. So, you know, yes. when, when you look at this, it, this was a short field, But boy, was their quality. You could have easily had any one of six or seven different cars in victory lane the other night. And the racing was just great. I mean, it's it's really amazing how this class is developing. Um, And, you know, after after seeing Tyler now back in that 75 car, I'm firmly convinced that you know, if Barbara put another car on the track and, and, you know, you get, you, you get one of those sort of Nakotra setups. Cause you know, for whatever reason, those cars that he's got are both really fast. And once they get Brian's back, back, right. Um, you know, which probably will be in the next race. I think he'll be right back up there, but there's, there are probably six or seven cars. I feel like now that could easily, win a race in that division out of the field and that's pretty good considering that we don't have Jeff Battle and a bunch of the New Englanders other than Locke is the only one coming in every week and and doing half the winning like we've had the last couple of years
2: certainly yeah and, and a great points battle shaping up at the yeah. top there between uh, Chase and, and Brian Solbus and now Dave Cliff and we're also going to have more cars coming. You mentioned Josh Sokolik, and he'll be out on July 2nd. Yeah. Nick Barzi is still working on his car. They're waiting on torsion bars. John Tesserario told me he's going to be out in July. Oh, good. Alan Hawksby's working on his stuff. So there's going to be some more cars and more really good quality cars. But just <laughs> I kind of felt bad for Dave Cliff in the second one because I think he actually had Chase Beat there. And yeah. really wanted to see him get a win, too. And the first one, I'm kind of thinking, oh, boy, is Chase going to be bridesmaid again because his last four races before that, second, second, third, and second, and then a total of five second-place finishes. And it's just like, holy cow, when is it going to happen? And and it finally did. And then twin 25 number two, it looked like it was Dave's turn and had that yellow not come out. He had it won, but Tyler was able to capitalize on the restart. That kind of changed everything. But you're going to have Bobby Holmes back in the 32 next week. There's... There's so much talent in this field and I don't care if there's even six cars they would, they would put on a good show. And and they did when, when this division first started. So we'll keep getting a few more every year and it's, and it's going to be a blast to watch.
1: Well, I mean, again, you just mentioned three or four cars that that are still coming out. Right. And eventually we're going to get the Danny K car, um, right. You know, hopefully by classic and you know, I don't know who else might be, um, but there's certainly, um, you know, more cars that could be possible. Kyle Perry r- ran well. Like you just look at that field and it was pretty amazing. And yeah, Dave Cliff is going to get, he's going to get a win. And that's one of those things, you know, you look at Carson Hosavar in the truck series. um, You look at Dave in, in this series, you're, you're, if you're constantly on the podium and, and running for the win, that moment will come when, that little bit of luck tips in your favor this time and circumstances help you to finally get over the hump and i feel like with dave once he wins then he'll win multiple maybe not in a row but he'll win multiple because once you've done it then it just seems to be that way and you know so it's it's just interesting to to see how this class i thought this year has even exceeded what my expectations would have been from the Oswego guys and that we don't need the new England guys now to sort of make the race. It, it, you know, we're, we're quickly developing a field of very competitive cars, um, that are, that are based at Oswego. And so now, you know, here's Chase Locke. Um, you know, last year I felt like him and battle were the top two and, you know, and now here comes, Chase this year, and he's got you know four, five, six Oswego cars that are basically about as good as he is. So, you know, those guys are all having to work for it. You mentioned Bobby Holmes being back in the thirty-two. I kind of I I love that, and yet I don't know who again. I don't know anything about Mark Schultz, but um, somebody find him a car, man. That, yeah, you TQ know.
2: guy, another TQ guy.
1: Okay, so that you know, it's like somebody find him a good car to drive because. Um, you know, he would be a great asset to the division. I thought he did a really nice job. Yeah, um, he did. You know, never being a and there seems to be this sort of um, you know, friendliness between the TQ and the three fifty such that the adjustment seems to be pretty easy if you're, you know, if you're talented. Um, so maybe there's something to be said for, you know, more of the TQ guys maybe being able to make the jump and we can you know, help grow the field that way too. Um, so just really impressive a uh, couple of races for the 350 Supers. I just thought the, the night was, was really uh, um, an above average and probably way better than anyone would have expected without the big blocks being there. I was very surprised to be able to say I just didn't miss the big blocks. But, um, you know, those four races were all really good races and very enjoyable to watch.
2: They were, yeah. I didn't miss the big blocks either, to be honest with you. No, <laughs> but, I mean, so, but it, it's going to be crazy here in, a, in in a couple weeks with with four divisions, and we have forty sport mods registered. And yeah, and I hard heard that. not to after such a good show last weekend, kind of jump ahead and and look forward to that. It's it's going to be so exciting, and and I think honestly, just as good as any show we're going to have the rest of the year. So if if you're planning to to come out to Oswego Speedway for any race this year, I, I'd say th- there's a lot of good races, but but this is the one to be there for. I'm I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think so too. The, like I never would have expected that many of them to come out for a show that wasn't like a classic weekend show, but for them, I guess it kind of is, and that's that's great. So Jody London is, has done a a, a great job. With that, and uh, we'll look forward to that. Let's uh, let's talk about. Go ahead and run down the finish for uh, race one of the three fifties.
2: First was the eighty-eight Chase Slack. Second the fifty Dave Cliff. Third the twenty Kyle Perry. Fourth the thirty-two Mark Schultz. Fifth the seventy-five Tyler Thompson. Sixth the ninety-seven Vern Lafave. Seventh the twenty-three Kelly Spaulding. Eighth the 08, Dalton Doyle. Ninth the forty-five Brian Sobis. Tenth the twenty-two Mike. A long night for Mike after running 16-9 in practice. So um, a lot of these guys, like you said, are, are catching up to New England in a hurry.
1: Yeah, it's, well, again, it's just amazing. Like I said, you you got you know you you you've had both of the Barbera cars in Victory Lane now, you and you've got all these other cars that we're talking about, and you've got you know Cliff has been he's done everything but win. You know that's coming, and then you get the thirty-two back with Bobby behind the wheel. There's another you know you just start thinking about okay, again, not necessarily quantity yet but it's coming quickly enough and the quality is probably like i said beyond anyone's um expectations for this year and happy to see that for those guys there they put on great shows so um race number two go ahead and give us the finish
2: first was the 75 tyler thompson second the 50 dave cliff third the 08 dalton doyle and cliff got second by the way by eight one thousandths of a second. Yeah.
1: So
2: that was that was close. Yeah. Uh, fourth was the twenty two, Mike Bruce. Fifth was the forty-five Brian Sobus. Sixth the twenty Kyle Perry. Seventh the eighty eight, Chase Locke, eighth the twenty three, Callie Spaulding, ninth the thirty-two, Mark Schultz, and tenth the ninety seven, Vern Lefebvre.
1: Okay. So um now let's talk about uh, what's coming up at Oswego. We're off for uh, graduation this weekend, right? So no racing right. at the Speedway. Um, so let's talk about what we got upcoming. Uh, sounds like the next time uh, we we talk about racing, it's going to be that big July 4th event. Um, and I think there are fireworks, right?
2: There are. Yeah, you can tell I'm excited. I kind of jumped the gun and got right to that. But fireworks and, and fan can chase and, Four divisions, it's extra distance, 75 laps for the Supers, 35 laps for the SBS, 30 laps for the 350s. Sport mods are going to run 40 laps. They'll have a B main, so that'll be exciting. And we also have a whole lot of practice coming up in the next two weeks. We're going to do a Fast Friday this is Friday night, the 24th, from oh, okay. 4 to 8, and then two practice sessions on July 1st, one from 12 to 4, and then another Fast Friday from 5 to 9. That one's already full. The grandstands will be open and free for all those, for anybody that wants to come check it out. And then Saturday, if you want me to read through the schedule, I can sure. go ahead and do that also. Right. yeah, um, the, the pick gates are going to be opening at 1.30. And the nice thing now for the Supers, SPS, and 350s, we won't have to unload. Only the sport mods have to unload, which oh. makes me very happy. No offense to the sport mod guys. <laughs>
1: <but> <laughs> well, there's more <laughs> of that.
2: 3 grandstands open. The fan can chase will start out front, the main entrance. And warm-ups will begin at 3 o'clock also and be in the rotation of Sport Mods, 350s, SPS, and Supers all day. Same deal for heat racing. That begins at 530. After the heats, the Sport Mod B-Main will be up first. Then the 350 feature, SPS feature, XMR Sport Mod feature, Super Modified 75 lap Grand Prix, and then the big fireworks display to cap the night.
1: Now, just again, for a fan who might, <laughs> might be going, well, what do you mean the other guys don't have to unload? What, what Camden's saying is that yeah. only the sport mods have to actually park the trailers outside. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yes.
1: Okay. So, you know, uh, kind of like a classic weekend deal for them. Um, you know, you unload the car and all the tools and whatever else, and then you you, you bring the trailer back outside the gate. The other classes don't have to because there aren't 40 of any of those. Um, and uh, so that, yeah, that'll be a, a great time. Um, and I, I guess I would, would suggest, too, that, may, again, for the fans who are far away and maybe don't know what it is, what is the Fan Can Chase?
2: So the fan can chase obviously is, is we're partnered with Novellis who sponsored the super modified division for almost 20 straight years. Yeah. Now. And it's basically just a can drive and it, it raises money for all kinds of local organizations. It all goes back to charity uh, blessings in a backpack. I think is one of them. We used to do Habitat for Humanity. Um, but I would have to look at the, at the total. We'll have a press release out for the next race, but I, I want to say, I know it's at least six figures that has been raised wow. over the years through the fan can chase. So um, it's it's great to to partner with Novellis on this, and we'll see if somebody can lock, knock Jim Larkin off the top of the, the fan can chase. He's won I think the last six of them. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's incredible. There was I think 125,000 cans collected last year alone. So that's just amazing.
1: It is amazing, and and other than obviously the. Um, the satisfaction of knowing that you have impacted uh, charities greatly, what is the reward for uh, winning the fan can chase that makes it a chase?
2: So I think what we did last year and, and what we have done for a number of years now is awarded the top 12 Okay. and the top three get to choose from, three prizes, one of which is a season pit pass, a season grandstand pass, and a season VIP pass. Obviously the winner gets first choice, second, and third, and so on. I see. Okay. And all three get to take home six tickets each to Saturday and Sunday of classic weekend. Wow. And the top 12 get to take home a minimum of four classic tickets each. So that's, that's pretty cool. The Speedways agreed to give away nearly 200 general admission passes for the classic over the last few years to all of these fan can chase participants and, and very well-deserved. And, and some of the other charities, by the way, Oswego County Opportunities, Child Advocacy Center, Arise, uh, just great organizations and to be able to benefit for them. Um, yeah, it is over, it is over six figures now through 16 seasons. So That's that's amazing. And all time can count is is nearly two million at this point. So we'll see if we can surpass that in the next couple of years.
1: There we go. So, um, you know, all of you who are uh, heading out, uh, make sure that you stock up on the cans. Um, Yeah, that's um, that's great. It's a great, great uh, charitable opportunity. Very impactive or impactful. Uh, And um, it's, (laughs) you know, uh, also, again, you could, I mean, shoot six six uh tickets my goodness gracious that's um that's a lot of uh opportunity there for for upcoming races and and the classic deal is amazing so yeah those that's great incentive and and thanks to everybody involved for that because it's um we need more of that in the world so um good stuff okay so we'll uh obviously be back in touch next week to talk about uh, the, what's the latest uh, on the show upcoming and maybe um, who, more importantly in the big blocks, may or may not be making their debut in the next big show. But uh, we'll save that for next week. And, uh, again, uh, Cam, congratulations on, on Dad winning and congratulations to Tim as well. Um, you know, you come on my show and you go and win a feature. See, Tim should have come on much sooner.
2: What about me? I've been on the show like every week. I haven't won anything yet.
1: <sighs> yeah, I know. <laughs> there's always one troubled child, you know? Yeah. Um I, I literally, on my lead lap show down here, the Southeast show, I think I've had like five. Guests so far since I think it's April um, that have gone out and won within a week or two of being on, on that show and and so yeah there's always one troubled child Cam come on you gotta you I know I guess it's me um, well just yeah. have me on the lead lap show yeah and that's people what we don't do. listen put to you, me on, you enough on, the, on this yeah, one put you on the lead lap show but uh, <laughs> no, no I mean, I mean obviously uh, I believe you're going to get there and I I I know that you will um, your time is coming just uh, just keep digging and keep trying to get a little better each week that's a potent race car you got underneath you so uh, yeah. you'll get it there and uh, it's uh, it's not easy winning at the Oswego Speedway and anything uh, hopefully it will not take you 20 years like it did your dad i um, hope not. <laughs> the only proud
2: <laughs> to not win now so I better get going uh,
1: yeah that's true he's still <laughs> even after 20 years he gets back in the car and sneaks in the, the, the first win in the family so um, that's kind of fun uh, but yeah uh, good luck uh, have Obviously we'll talk to you next week anyways. So have a good rest of your week and thanks for coming on.
2: Thanks as always, Tom. We'll look forward to chatting okay, next week.
1: Okay. That is Captain Proud. We'll be back with more of the groove right after this. Okay, folks. I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on in inside groove, Indy performance composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive aerospace and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, supermodifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision and your budget into a workable high performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or Inc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you welcome back to the inside groove this is episode 102 of the podcast and we are joined now by the Birdman, nathan bird <laughs> i have known nathan now for a little over a year it seems like longer than that uh but um i wanted you all to hear from nathan before the weekend because uh his story is really unique. And, um, and I want you all, if you get a chance on Saturday at the track to, uh, to go, go over to the pit and, uh, introduce yourself to him and shake his hand and, uh, you know, get to know him, uh, and I'll follow him on social media too. Cause he's, uh, he is doing something that, um, I think all racers would, would love to be able to do. Uh, and I was joking with him before we turn this on, turn the, um, uh, recording on that, um, he is out to it seems like he's out to drive every single different type of race car that is is uh on a racetrack anywhere because he's running a bunch of them um and then i got thinking that well rich worth it seems to be on a conquest to own about every different type of race car that there is um and so somehow we need to pair these two up uh rich of course being the um, the Beethoven of Blacktop, if you will, with JS Paving. Uh, I, I think uh, it would be an interesting fit, but actually Nathan is running this weekend at least for um, Michael Muldoon and running both in the big block and small block divisions, which is going to be a lot of fun. So Nathan, welcome to the show. Um, they call you the Birdman, and uh, so that's what we're going to call you for the rest of the interview. First of all, uh, let's talk about, Uh, how old are you?
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show, Tom. It's uh, always a pleasure talking to you and, uh, being able to catch up. Uh, I'm 22 years old. Uh, started my, my racing career back when I, after I graduated high school that summer, my dad proposed the idea of me racing, which I never even had an ankle of interest in. I never even thought (laughs) that it was a possibility. It just never crossed my mind, even though we've been involved in racing, uh, Jonathan birds racing and now bird racing since 1985, and the Indy five hundred and short track scene with Rich Bogler and all those things. Yeah. And so I started go karting when I was eighteen and then and then eventually moved up into my first car races in February of twenty twenty. And now I'm into my third year of racing cars and almost at that four year mark since the very beginning when my dad proposed the idea of the six year plan from go karts to the Indy five hundred and I was like, Hey, let's do it. So, so here we are.
1: So you are basically four years old in the <laughs> racing calendar. However, <laughs> I would argue, folks, that uh, when we dive into uh, kind of how Nathan has done this, um, it's it's sort of like, uh, you know, when you're going to high school and you're in your last year or two and you start taking college courses, So you become this sort of double graduate where you get your high school diploma and your associate's degree in the same year. Well, um, I would argue that Nathan is about uh, to get his master's for as many different (laughs) types of cars as he's driven. So I want to talk about that. So you last year when I met you, you were running um, a a late model, a pro late model, the the Carolina pro late model tour. But you were Mm -hmm. over the course of the year you raced about 13 different types of cars, everything from formula cars to open wheel midgets and sprints or whatever. Um, Just a bunch of different stuff. Talk about um, each year, how you've sort of added more and more different types of cars to your schedule and talk about specifically some of the, um, you know, the scope of what you've uh, done so far.
3: Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing. I think your illustration with uh, schooling and all that is a, fairly accurate i mean the whole thing with the reason why we're trying to hit as many different uh, disciplines of racing as possible getting as many races in as possible is seat time is king and everyone recognizes that in the racing world and my dad always says if you the more you race the better racer you become doesn't matter what you're what you're driving or what you're racing in so last year yeah it was basically i think it was 12 different disciplines of racing and 80 races so that was um i I'll, i can start from the beginning which was like when i did start racing cars i was 2020 and i just ran into lucas oil formula car series like really low level formula cars no wings really low horsepower just learning the very fundamentals and the basics of just uh how to how to manipulate a car's weight and all that and then near the end of 2020 i did that like one Prolate model test with uh, uh rickware racing as their development driver for 2021 leading into that in that into that year yeah and also at the end of 2020 i did uh a few focus midget races with uh, Mike Creven and Creven with Creven performance. And then my first full size midget race with Davey Ray. And that was at the end of 2020. So it, that sort of prepared me a little bit for what was going to come in 20 for, in 2021. Didn't really expect what was, what was I don't think anything could have prepared me for what was going to be <laughs> 2021. Cause my dad ended up finding like a bunch of different series, like uh, a formula car series called the North American F1000 formula 1000 championship where they're running like 1,000 pound formula cars with me in it with like wow. a 1,000 CC Suzuki motorcycle engine. And those things move, they corner great, they break in like the most efficient braking I've ever seen in a formula car. And so he found that series and then he found other things. And of course I was doing the pro with a uh, Rookware racing as a development driver. Uh, now E 33 motorsports. Yeah. Who's, they're finding success now, now this year with a uh, Mason Maggio and, so did that, and I added some modified racing with uh, um, Dave RC RC Racing Engines out in the Spears Modified Series in the West, and then um, did some Pro Late model racing with them as well in the West Coast, and did uh, a bunch of different formula car stuff. I, did, I ran the Skip Barber F4 Series uh, all last year. I ran that ran that series, won a couple races. Uh, one of them was at Indy on the road course last year, which Sweet. was a was a nice top off to that to that sort of season, and. Yeah, just a bunch of – and, of course, I, I ran um, the, the NEMA and the NEMA Lite or the NEMA midget with Bertrand Motorsports up in the northeast and then got my first taste of a full-size midget with Bertrand Motorsports um, last like late last year at IRP where we did really well before um, I unfortunately crashed near the end of the race. And, but I also ran a Silver Crown with uh, David Hamilton Racing um, all last year getting some experience at Toledo with a pretty good sixth place result, um, working my way up the field in IRP and, and then eventually now this year, instead of 12 disciplines, we've expanded to 18 different disciplines of racing. <laughs> and this calendar is probably going to see like 115 races across all kinds of touring cars, sports car, formula car. Um, some, now adding in some dirt racing, finally some 360 sprint car and a mitten. Midget racing out of Ventura Raceway. And of course, we we dropped the Prolay and modified, but we replaced it with uh, some super modified racing big block top wing, rear wing, and the small block top wing. And we're going to be doing NEMA again and uh, running some NEMA lights as well. And we added a non wing sprint car this year as well, which will be my, my first race in the non wing pavement sprint car. It's going to be IRP uh, on Thursday this week. And then I'm going to be traveling over to Oswego. Um, on friday so we can race there on saturday in the big block and the small block so yeah this this coming a uh, couple months like until like september 8th is going to be pretty much all short track stuff i got a lot of my formula car and my sports car road course stuff done earlier this year and it's about a two-thirds to one-third split with pavement road course stuff all across formula cars touring cars sports cars yeah and now Um, and the the other third of the 115 races is just all short track stuff all kinds of different disciplines so really trying to touch really everything like you said and just get really expedite my development as a driver and I think I don't know if I if I quite have my master's degree yet in racing but I definitely went through puberty pretty fast in in that sense and now I'm uh, probably about to like, I graduated my bachelor's in real life uh, from GCU just this past December. I probably did the same thing in, my, in, in terms of racing uh, once I finished, like, probably about halfway through this year. So I think the, the analogy is definitely apt.
1: It's just interesting, and and I and I say all that just with with a sense of admiration, and also now I need a nap. Uh, but um, you are so you had a chance to to test at Oswego. Did you test both the big block and the small block, or just uh, the big block?
3: Yeah. So just just yesterday with uh, Mike Muldoon, I tested the small block with the top wing. And the big block at the rear wing in uh, preparation for this weekend on Saturday where I'm going to be running in both of the cars in both classes, which will be awesome. I feel like I got up to speed um, fairly well in the small block. It took me a few laps just to get comfortable with um, just the fact that you're not braking into the corner and (laughs) you're only lifting. And like, man, I can drive the car in so deep and it's just going to take it like, oh, wait, I actually need to turn the wheel. And there's that much more grip <laughs> and I can t- carry even more speed. So a lot of uh, definitely a learning curve in a small block and then transferring that to the big block, which I texted, uh, tested next. That was um, definitely a challenge. It took me quite a while to get to full throttle in the big block because of just how much hor- how much horsepower those things oh, yeah. have. And just getting the confidence, knowing that the rear is going to stick. Eventually I got to that point, but then at that point we ran out of fuel. So it was like, okay, test is done, but um, <laughs> feeling comfortable going into, um, Saturday, especially in the small block, we'll see what we can do there. And the big block, I mean, even Mike says like, even though the, the best drivers, they don't get up to speed within, in their first race in the big block. And I'm not expecting to be some, uh, like blow the doors off every, everyone in my first race. Um, really just need a, once I, once I'm around other cars, especially during practice in the big block, I think I'll be able to get up to speed a lot quicker. Just seeing like, Oh, that guy's breaking a hundred feet later than I am, or he's getting on the power like way, way earlier. I think it'll, it'll definitely be good to see that. And, and then you sort of learn how to trust Mike, Mike has the best equipment. Uh, I think there is in the super modified scene. So um, when it, since that's the case, I'm like, Oh, that guy's getting on the full throttle already. Okay. I'll do the same thing. So yeah. I think I'll, uh, I feel pretty good about this weekend, honestly. And I think it'll just be a lot of fun, and hopefully, um, get as good of a result as I possibly can.
1: Oh, I'm sure it will be fun. It's a big night. Um, they were supposed to have a sportsman modified race to go along with everything else, but uh, that mm. unfortunately got canceled due to the tire situation. But, um, the the um yeah, July fourth weekend is always big. Uh, fireworks, all that. So, um, should be a pretty good crowd and and uh i think you'll really enjoy running at the big o it's uh make sure you <laughs> here, make sure you get to skip's fish fry in, in the infield and uh, grab yourself a hoffman hot dog and a fish while you're there okay um, all right it's uh, you gotta have the uh hometown delicacy so uh yeah make sure you go see uh the folks at skips over there in the pits but um that's uh that's an an awesome opportunity. Now, do you remember any of the lap times that you you achieved in in either division? Or,
3: yeah, I think I got down to the um the seventeens in the in the small block, which I know sixteens they say is like kind of like where the goal is. Um, yeah, but with, we were running on older tires, um, so That's we great. were we were getting there. I think I was working up the pace. And the big block, I know, like um, even Michael uh, Michael Muldoon, he was in the fifteens. Yeah. In the in the big block. And like, man, that's crazy. I didn't get <laughs> enough. Like, I didn't feel like I, I got enough laps to get up to that sort of pace. Yeah, I think I was in the 18s. Okay. But eventually, um, when race day comes, I'm sure I'll be in the, the, the 16s, hopefully at the very least. Um, I know there's a lot more performance in the car and I could feel it or just um, just need more laps. And I think the, the laps that'll be crucial that'll really help with my development. And that side will be when I'm actually around other cars and seeing what they're doing is like, okay, then it's sort of, that, that also helps expedite my development when there's sure. other people around me that are fast and know what they're doing. And when you see it, it's much easier to believe it. Otherwise I'm always one to take those small bites of progression and I'll go from a high 18 to 185 five, 18, three, 18, two. And the more laps I get, I'll go into the 17. Yeah, But, um, I, I don't like taking big bites and then you crash a car and like, what's the point of that? So I always want to take things, um, take smart bites and small bites. And that's what I always try to do whenever I get into a new car since uh, I get into new cars fairly often. So,
1: yeah. Well, and that's what's so interesting about this is that whenever you know, there's uh, somebody new coming to Oswego and we've had, you know, drivers come out of the modifieds or on dirt or, you know, whatever over the years, um, you know, even some IndyCar guys that occasionally show up. Uh, we had Jared mm. Andretti for, for uh, a, a, a little bit uh, one year when he was doing some super modified stuff. And, um, you know, we, you, you kind of look at it and it's like, well, you know, where is that person come from? In your case, I feel like, um, even though the supers are probably the most horsepower that you're, you, you know, you may have been in at least the big block, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, uh, with all of the past experience that you've had over the last, uh, couple of years with so many different types of cars, it wasn't such a scary transition, um, for you as it may have been, had you just say been running a midget somewhere or whatever and all of a sudden here's all this horsepower and here we go <laughs> um you know you come in with with a lot of bonafide experience in a lot of different types of cars so you're not a bone stock rookie um you know you're going to be able to to at least uh kind of understand it enough to, I mean, 17s in the small block is definitely competitive. Um, and, and if you can get down to, to the low 17s or so, um, you know, you're going to be in the mix. Um, and, um, that's, that's definitely great stuff. What did you think overall about the, the two different uh, cars that you drove compared to some of the other stuff that you've been used to racing?
3: Oh yeah. That's, that's a great question. And I think, the and yeah, I think you're right. I mean, me having so much experience in other kinds of cars, like I can very quickly um, sort of feel out what a car is doing. Like, oh, okay, this feels very similar to to like like the big block rear wing, for example. I I had mentioned earlier to you before the interview started, where the big block with the rear wing is essentially a form of the car that's just purpose built to run yep. left, turn left, and on an oval, and. I've run a lot of formula cars and I, this year I've, um, I've been running the pro Mazda, which is the old Indy pro 2000 car yes. um, back in the road to Indy days, uh, the 2016 and beforehand, with that when they ran that car and like the big block rear wing doesn't feel like the platform feels fairly familiar. It's just a matter of um, learning to trust it and build confidence with that. But it's nothing like outside of my wheelhouse. It's all within my wheelhouse. It feels like, especially the, the small block with the top wing when I did run Ah, uh, the wing midget there at at Oswego last year with Virgin Motorsports. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was I was running fairly competitive, and I think that was actually Oswego Classic weekend. And I felt I felt pretty good. I think I was running like top five, and you I were. think I was in the mix, yeah. fourth, third, and that sort of yeah. area. And I think the the small block reminded me of when I ran the the wing midget, the Nima midget at Lee USA Speedway, where you weren't really breaking for the corner. So I already had experienced something like that beforehand and the wing midget it's just you have just had that much more power that much more downforce when you go to the small blocks yeah. the modified especially at a track as big as oswego and and just learning like michael's telling me like you can go all the way down to the drainage like the little drainage ditch and turn one before you even lift for the corner it's like okay well if you tell me that's the case and i'm just gonna just gonna go for it and then that's how i was able to get into the 17 to keep on working up my pace and so there's just a lot of all my experience really does help me like get into new cars and become acclimated to them very, very quickly and feel comfortable with them um, right off the rip in terms of, okay, this is how the car gets started and um, getting up to speed. I, I have a lot of experience getting up to speed in cars that have a lot of horsepower, like the silver crown car, I think really helps me. And this, and even when I tested the, the pavement midget with David Hamilton racing um, before the weekend where I raced at IRP not too long ago, we raised the test of that IRP and the 900 horse, 800 and 900 horsepower, non only payment midget or sprint car, like that is a, an absolute beast. And you can't even get the full throttle in that car going, going down, going down a straightaway. Cause you don't have any downforce. Unlike the big block super modified, which yeah. is why I was sort of hesitating to get the full throttle there until I learned like, Oh, I can actually trust the downforce of the car. And I was able to get to that point, but definitely a crazy, mixture in the of the big block where you have all that horsepower the, the sprint car horsepower combined with the formula car downforce and that's the world where i haven't really been into yet and that's sort of where you're getting into like indie car territory where it has so right. much horsepower and so much downforce and that's that's how what would be probably the most comparable to it but that's one thing i haven't driven yet is obviously indie cars and that's like one of the first goals is getting to the indy 500 so i think the super modified especially the big block will be just absolutely instrumental in my my development as a driver my feeling of preparation when it comes to qualifying do my rookie rookie test at indy and doing all that i think mike muldoon's right when he says if you go you you drive a big block super modified and you get that thing to the limit everything else you get out of that and everything else feels slow and honestly I'm, i'm that's sort of what i'm hoping for and that's sort of the goal is you keep on getting to faster and faster cars you move down to like for example, slower form of the cars. And you feel like you can just absolutely wheel the thing yeah. and do whatever you yeah. want with it. And you just, you feel the limit so much slower and you can drive much more precisely and everything just sort, sort of slows down and becomes a uh, much more manageable, which is exactly what we're looking for. Me and my dad, when it comes to me running uh, a few super modified races this week, this, uh, this year.
1: Well, good. I'm happy to hear a few, which means more than one. So, and I oh, know, yeah. I know the, the fans listening to the show will be happy as well, uh, that you'll be making multiple appearances. And I hope that means that that extends into next year as well. Now I'm curious, how did you happen to get together with Michael Muldoon?
3: Um, well, that's a question for my dad. He, he just seemingly knows like everyone in the (laughs) mode. Like he just has so many connections. He knows everyone. Um, if he doesn't know someone, he knows someone that knows someone. Yeah. (laughs) That was probably the case here with uh, Mike Muldoon. My dad probably did a little bit of research into the, the supermodified scene because we were already planning last year, but like, hey, we're going to start doing supermodified racing this year. Interesting. And it was probably a little bit too much for me um, maybe last year. I just wasn't quite the race car driver I am today, and that's why we were sort of planning things out and planning on getting into more and more powerful things like the supermodified this year. And so I think my dad just like looked into the scene Probably saw molding motorsports. Probably knew some guys. Maybe Davey. Maybe uh Davy Hamilton sort of referred him. Like, yep, oh yeah, Michael is a great guy. Yep. I know Dave Michael him, told me about how uh, Davy was had, had ran with him before. So that's a likely connection if I was to make some conjectures. But yeah, I mean, my my dad knows everyone. He's a, he's a schedule master, as I say, and he, I I just almost always like show up to a race, show up to an airport, and like okay, pull out my my phone. What is my where does my boarding pass tell me I'm flying out to today <laughs> so that's, about, yeah. that's sort of my my dad's my dad's wheelhouse and he's really good at that stuff so getting uh, getting that connection to, to Mike Muldoon was uh, pretty awesome and I'm glad that I'm that I'm gonna be running with him this weekend.
1: do you even like have a house yet or are you just sort of you know because <laughs> I feel like you spend more time on an airplane than you do anywhere else.
3: Oh, yeah, and the time I spend on the airplane goes by in a flash because I can always sleep through yes. the flights, and which is good to, for me, right? lucky yeah. for me. Yeah. My dad's like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm living in Arizona. I'm, I'm living with my Nana, and it just makes no sense to, like, be bringing on a bunch of living expenses. Sure. I don't know where I want to settle down eventually. So right. And this whole summer I'm going to be um, basically staying with my grams um, in Indiana because what's the point of flying back back and forth from arizona all the way to the east coast right. uh midwest and then back and um being with my grams and being able to drive to a bunch of the the races that's happening um that's coming up all the way into like late september i'll, I'll be staying in indiana practically because all the short track racing i'm doing is like i can just drive there maybe it's a 10-hour drive but it saves way more money than a, than a flight nowadays and um Almost. so we're just trying to save on hotels and rental cars and basically the less money we spend there the more money we can spend on uh, on racing so sure. yeah that's a, my dad's always thinking about those things and trying to make things make a, as much financial sense as possible so
1: it's Funny, the price of gas now it's almost to the <laughs> point where it's about an e- equal oh, split yeah, maybe, between I, flying and driving, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but if you have a good economical car, uh, you know, yeah, that's uh, I think that's still true, but yeah, um, uh, man, oh, yeah. it's exciting, Nathan. It's exciting to see the progress that you've made, it's exciting to see you getting into some of these other forms of racing like the Supers, um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, again, I, I, I know that you're kind of a student of the history of the sport as well. And so, um, you know, an opportunity to get into a, a type of car that, uh, really back in the seventies was, um, pushing a lot of drivers toward, uh, Indianapolis, at least the Indy 500. Um, and you know, so one of the most exotic short track cars on the planet. So that, uh, I'm sure that's gotta be a lot of fun for you to finally get a chance to do this.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm super excited to finally get into the Super Modified. I'm like, I was sort of nervous. I was like, man, I don't know what to expect. Is this thing going to be, like, way over my head? Because I know just, like, just the performance ability of, my, of the cars. My dad always says, like, how um, Super modifieds on tracks that aren't, like, two miles long or even, like, a mile and a half. Like, they're qualifying within the 110% rule of IndyCar, like, when IndyCar go going to oh, those yeah.
1: old yeah.
3: And, I'm like, that's just crazy just how much – Performance ability ability they have, and it makes sense that those that those cars were um, sort of a, a feeding and training ground for IndyCar drivers back in the day. It just it just makes sense.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it that's why supers have never done racing on I mean they've run Phoenix before and um you know but most of the most of the time they stay on the short tracks they've tested like at Loudon a couple of times and uh the drivers have just said no it's just too fast it's too you know the the risk is is greater than the reward um you mm-hmm. know and and uh so you know but yeah it is interesting to think about it that way and um you know and so I hope that you have a a, a great time on saturday night i hope obviously uh, we hope that you make it through both races safely and uh excited about uh going from irp in the middle of the week to uh, oswego is that'll be familiar for a lot of uh the fans (laughs) that listen to this because we had drivers again back 20 years or so uh pat abold and some of the other drivers uh that of that time would would go do the midgets or the sprint cars at irp and then you know then go race oswego on the weekends and and so um all of that open wheel stuff uh um you know those of us who are superholics uh consider all that family so uh <laughs> you know i think everybody will be excited uh to to tune in and and check out irp if it's on flow or somewhere uh where they can find it um you know everybody will want to watch and then see you come to a swigo and and uh, go check out uh you running the super so that'll be awesome i know you can't do all this by yourself so uh tell us who helps you make it all happen i know you got a lot of partners
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, we have a lot of partners, and I appreciate you uh, wishing me good luck. Of course. Um, I'm, de- I'm definitely going to need it because those things are beasts. But um, uh, in terms of partners, we have a lot of them. Um, Speed Sport is a really awesome partner with us. Um, Project 44, uh, Tilson HR, Hope Givers International, Signing Day Sports, um, I know Kipsu, FMX, America's Best Value In, Sinesta Hotels there's a lot of people that help us uh, do what we do and work with our family businesses and help it all just make sense financially and help it all helps it all come together. So I can't thank those uh, people enough. I'm sure I miss a few. I'm sorry, but I'm going to get you next time. So
1: always have a list when you're doing an interview, always have a list. <laughs> all right. Uh, so where can fans follow you then if they want to tune in on social media, your website and all that good stuff?
3: Oh, yeah. So we're, it's birdracing.com is our website. Uh, all of our social medias at birdracing, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Getter, um, Facebook. And I'm personally at Nathan J. Bird on all social medias as well. My YouTube channel is also Nathan J. Bird. I post uh, content on that of all my racing adventures pretty much as often as I possibly can. So, yeah, Nathan J. Bird and Bird Racing. B Y R D you'll, you'll find it all there and you'll be able to keep up with
1: us. All right. So uh, great to talk to you again, uh, Birdman. It's been a while since we've had a chance to chat and uh, really excited that uh, you're, you're headed to Oswego on Saturday. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Like I said, make sure you hit up skip's fish fry there while you're there and have (laughs) a good time and be safe and uh, good luck to you. We'll be watching on Flow racing.
3: Yep. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on the show again, Tom. It's always a pleasure talking to you
1: guys. That is Nathan Bird. And we'll be back with more of the groove right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove. Indy Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive aerospace and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, supermodifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision and your budget into a workable high performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out: ipcindy.com or indyperformancecompositesinc.com, and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove sent you. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up! You can do something else. Information technology. Welcome back to The Groove. This is episode 102, which means we are talking about the number 02 in this week's What's in a Number segment. And this is kind of interesting because uh, Robert Metcalf, who is one of the true super fans of this show and one of my favorite people, um, actually has done something with his Facebook group that coincidentally ended up mirroring mirroring this show, this particular episode. So Robert decided, his group, by the way, if you don't know, and if you don't know why, what, where in the world have you been all, all this time? Um, his group is called Oswego Speedway Glory Days, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Okay, if you if you're not a if you're a super modified fan, especially a longtime super modified fan, and you're not a member of this group, um, just uh, look it up on Facebook, and uh, and 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 apply to join. You're going to have to be able to answer some questions. You know, we don't we obviously um, want some sort of control over who's in the group, right? But Uh, which is one of the reasons I never started a Facebook group is because it's just there, they can be a real pain in the neck to, to maintain. That's the hardest part is, is the sort of oversight that you have to do and, and, you know, keeping track of people. But, um, but I, I've always, I've always thought I'm in, I'm in a lot of groups and I'm an admin for several groups and including this one and um, a group with a very specific purpose and a very specific audience um, can be a lot of fun. And this one is. This one's a lot of fun. And Robert makes it that way and, and the other members. And so Robert came up with a great idea. He has a lot of those, actually. Um it, it was Robert that actually came up with the idea for me when we got to episode 100 a few weeks ago. He said, why don't you, you started at episode 36 or for your what's in the numbers so you didn't do... Um, 0 to 35, and then there's the double numbers, 00, to 01, 02. So why don't you, he said, why don't you just take the last two numbers of your episode until you get to 135, and just that way you complete the, the, the set of all the potential numbers at the Speedway. And it was a great idea. I hadn't thought about it that way. So that's why we're doing this, episode 102. The number is 02 and so the 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 next great idea he had was for his Facebook group he decided that over the summer he would take each week of the summer as i think what he want, what he intends to do and he's going to ask the those of us in the group to sort of focus on um remembering or tributizing or whatever uh a particular driver from you know from the era that the group represents, and he started with Eddie Bellinger, and so all week long everybody's been posting pictures of Eddie in in various years and whatever, and um, it's been it's been fun to see the engagement that that's gotten and how much people have seemed to enjoy that, and of course Eddie, look, I I mean I am thrilled for Brandon and his success and and he's a great guy, um, you know, <laughs> but the O2, thankfully, I'm glad that, that if, if the O2 is going to carry on, I'm glad it was with Brandon because honestly, when I think of the O2 and I'm being very literal when I say this, I started going to the track in 1973 and it's Eddie's number. It's always been Eddie's number and and it's almost like the eight. I'm not one of these people who thinks that we should retire numbers. I've never been an advocate for that. Um, I mean, I'm a race. Pro- I've been a race promoter, right? So in my head, I want 99 cars at my show. <laughs> so if you start taking numbers away, and <laughs> and I don't allow triple digits or want to deal with stupid letters after the number, then I can't have 99 cars, right? So I just don't. I've never been a big um, advocate of retiring a number in racing because it, it it just eliminates and and at Oswego I think it's even more. Uh, I I've, I've always felt even more strongly because we do have so many generational, you know, people and 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 racers at the track. So if if they were to to have retired the O two. After Eddie stopped racing, which to me if there's if there's a number at the track that deserves that, right? I mean, th- let's think about, you know, Bentley is an icon, but he drove so many different numbers you couldn't possibly, right? I mean, y- which one do you pick? But you know so you I think you legitimately could make a case for the 10 for Nolan Swift, the eight for Jimmy Champagne, the O2 for Eddie Bellinger. And someday, some year, um, who knows when, as good, as, as good a shape as he's in, it could be 10 years from now, the double zero for Joe Gozik. Now, I think that's it. As far as I'm concerned, that's it. You can talk about Greg or Otto or whoever. Those guys were awesome in their era, and, and I'm not T- saying they aren't as good as this one or that one or what it's this isn't about ranking drivers my point is that nolan swift built the place jimmy champagne took it to the next level and is still the all-time wins leader and always will be nobody will ever have more super modified wins at the oswego speedway than jimmy champagne it will never happen um and again gozik He's had that number for forty-two years now. Double zero. Yes, he's driven other cars, but it, he's double O Joe. Eddie B is o2 He's driven other cars. It's he's still the o2 Um, but I, I I'm not an advocate because then they would have had to have unretired it for Brandon to have it, which is kind of my point of all this. So I'm not a big. You know, big, I've never been a big fan of that in racing. And everybody that's like in NASCAR, everybody's, well, Austin Dillon has no business running the three. That's Dale's number. It was Richard Childress's number before Dale got in it for crying out loud. Um, in fact, Ricky Rudd won a race in the three car before, <laughs> you know. So I just, it's, you know, Richard Petty retired years ago, the 43 is still racing. So I just, I don't buy that. I'm not a big fan of that. Now, with all that being said, um, The O2 is Eddie's number. There, however, has been, to my knowledge, one driver, besides Eddie Bellinger, in my era, my era, which is 1973 to this moment, okay, one driver, besides Eddie and Brandon, of course, to run the O2 in a race at the Oswego Speedway. Here's your pop quiz, folks, and it's you're either going to get zero or a hundred because you're either going to get the driver. Now, I'll, there have been, a, you know, at least one other driver that that got into an O2, but only one raced it in the feature. Who was it? I'll give you a few seconds here to think about it. Time's up. If you got it? Nobody will know but you. So we're not, obviously, where this is alive. Mike Muldoon. The end of the 1981 season, Mike purchased the Bellinger 02 and actually ran it the first night with Bellinger's livery. And so he became, at that moment, As far as I know, the only other driver to run the O2 at the Oswego Speedway since 1973. That's almost 50 years. Warren Conium got into Bellinger's car one night. Don't ask me the year. It was sometime in the 80s when Warren was either between rides or whatever, but he ended up in the car Eddie was driving something else probably the Matzik 3 so maybe it was 1985 but Conium uh got into the O2 uh he may have run a consy uh but I don't think he ever started the race cuz I don't think he fit the car properly uh Eddie is I think Eddie was pretty tall compared to Warren I'm not say Warren is short but I just don't think I, think I think I don't think he was as tall as Eddie and I seem to Recall that he took the O two 2 out, but didn't actually start a feature with it. I could be wrong. But as far as I know, Mike Muldoon is the only driver who's ever. So I'd say Eddie's number. <laughs> and 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 if you want to include Brandon, it's a Bellinger number. The O two 2 is as much Bellinger as double zero is Gozik, even though Jim Gray won his first race in a double zero. Paul Baumhauer drove the double zero you know, and you go back further and you have, you know, Todd Gibson and Tony Lavadi with that little team that was together there in the early seventies. And I think Andy Brown somewhere in there. Um, and there were probably others that people could name going back to maybe even the sixties, but, um, the, the double zero is Joe Gozik. So the O2 is Eddie Bellinger. So I thought it was really cool that um that Robert came up with that idea and it happened to be Eddie as we were putting the show together. So it was it was uh that was that was a fun uh moment to see that. And um, you know, I, like I said, I encourage all of you if you're not in that group, um, and you're you know, you're not a bot, uh and and you're a true super modified fan with some history and whatever, because that's kind of what the group is about, right? So um, you know, we, uh, w- we would love to have you. And if you got photos or whatever to contribute to, to post up there, even better. Cause that's, that's what that group thrives on. And, uh, we love those days. Those were the glory days. I think the seventies in particular were the glory days, the salad days, if you will. Um, so yeah, so there you go. So that's the only other. Uh, driver that I it, it, somewhere in 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 the goofed up crevices of my um, aging brain, I saw a an entry list or a or a finish result or something with Jim Cheney in an O two, and the only thing I could come up with f- that makes me think I might have actually that I might remember that accurately is. If it was, um Cheney drove a number one, I think, for 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 a moment, uh, and he might have actually driven maybe the Dave Dave Speedcat car that Ali Silva ran a little bit or whatever. But that's the only thing I could come up with is maybe it was a number change from a the, for, you know when when you have duplicates back then when they used to make people change the numbers right because we didn't have the automatic scoring yet. Um, so, and, and that, that maybe was before, uh, Eddie started racing or cause when Eddie first started, I think he was Oh three and then went to Oh two because the Oh three was registered. And, and I'm thinking it was, uh, that Newman, Steve, Dave, uh, whoever the Oh three rear engine car. you guys all remember that? Um, I think it was black or it was red dark red or whatever but i vaguely remember it. i don't think it had a tail for <laughs> for at least most of its shelf life it was always a kind of a weird looking thing um i don't know if it ever ran very well but it was again part of that era was the the innovation and and the you know the uh the 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 weird looking cars that people would come up with and some of them actually ran pretty good who would have thought for example the close 69 is as strange as that was it had a motor. It was a side engine car. Um, when they first brought it out, I don't think it was, you know, a foot high. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the, uh I think Guy Chartrand's head was, uh, uh, I think Guy's head was sticking out of the cage. So they had to redo the cage. Um, it had a turbo on it, which was way ahead of its time. um, I mean that th- that was as strange, and and again, if you think back, we could probably do a whole segment. Um, if I sat down and thought about it and wrote down five or six really unique cars, you could do a whole segment on on that from back in that day because there were just so many. There there just were no rules. It was almost run what you brung um, in those days, and then slowly they started kind of. You know, paring it back a little bit, uh, eliminated aluminum blocks, you know, made mufflers mandatory. That happened before 76. It was part of the um, is part of the Port City story we're going to get to in a minute. Um, So there was a lot of uh, innovation like that. But I I swear I remember at one point Jim Cheney drove something that was 0-2 and I couldn't tell you what car it would have been because I think I only saw it in the program. But I could be wrong, uh, as well about that. But basically, it's 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 a Bellinger number, right? So, um, good job, Robert, on the uh, idea in the group. It's it's fun to to see that, and um, you know, there's, I mean, shoot, there's 52 weeks in a year, so you could probably go two years, um, <laughs> at least, with the number of drivers that raced at the Oswego Speedway. And of course, some of them would be far more obscure, but. Um, Eddie was a great one to start with because he's still one of the most popular drivers in speedway history. And he hasn't driven a car for a while. It does help that Brandon's still racing, but, um, Eddie was one of the all time best. So, uh, there's my O2 list. If you can add to it, please do. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about Mike Muldoon being the only other driver to run an O2 in the feature, in a feature during the, uh, Bellinger era and um and which kind of makes that unique, right that he was and it was Eddie's car at the time, although Mike had bought it, so I guess you could argue, but uh, who owned it, but um, the only other driver to run the o two number, so there you go, all right, let's talk about the nineteen seventy six port city. If you missed episode one o one, you can go back and listen. We debuted a mini-series. This is a little mini-series that we're doing while we're teeing up some more 72 season rewinds because it's that's the 50th anniversary year, right? 72 to 22. Um, I had a conversation with, with, with somebody about the 76 season and the Port City Race came up. And this race, my gosh, this race just wouldn't happen. It was... <laughs> this race was was a nightmare to get in. We last week on the show, uh episode 101, we went through the opening day program of 1976 and that was in essence Port City program number 1 because um the Port City was the opening day race and it was scheduled for May 16th of 1976 on this show today we're going to go through two programs now we're not going to do sort of as deep of a dive as we usually would into everything in those programs because again i'm focusing on the big picture narrative but we're still going to read some interesting things and talk have some in-depth conversation here um the two programs we're going to go over the first one is volume 2 you know volume 2 for 476 um the second program this one featured uh the the beautiful Limblad fly and five with Norm Macrath on the cover and uh that car I still say if you make me pick one car out of all the cars that I've ever raced at the Oswego Speedway. And that would be, oh my gosh, there's another debate we could have at some point. Um, but here's the one car. <laughs> if I had to pick one with that bicentennial paint scheme, it would be this car. Just a beautiful looking race car. And uh, great people. So when I open this book, here's the headline. Port City 150 washed out. Now, remember, this is the originally scheduled date. Okay, so this book follows the first attempt, the original attempt to run the Port City race. And so this begins the actual saga. Okay, (laughs) there is a picture of Ron Graves sitting in his race car with the tarp half over it, uh, waiting out the rain and uh, Ron doesn't have the most uh energetic look on his face and it kind of, you know, matches the tone, right? It was just a wet day. They did get the super heats in, however. So I will read from this program the opening sort of recap of the previous week, which is mostly wet. But here's, wh- here's what it says. A persistent rain last Sunday afternoon canceled what was shaping up to be the most competitive Oswego Speedway season opener ever in the history of the track. Only a brief warm-up period for the sleek super modifieds was able to get off before track conditions became impossible to continue. The entire Port City 150 lap championship has been rescheduled for Sunday afternoon, May the 30th, at which time another fine field of modifieds and supers are expected to jam the pit area. For the record books, it is ironic that the last time the Speedway season opener was canceled due to rain was back in 1970 when we tried to start racing on May 16th. Uh, Last Sunday's date was also May 16th. Note to John and Eric, never, ever, ever, ever schedule opening day on May 16th. It won't end well. Uh, Anyway, the Speedway did see plenty of action last Saturday. Again, two days. Last Saturday for the warmups for both divisions, several cars took the fast 5 5.8 mile with plenty of fast times recorded all afternoon. The super modified heat races were run off and they proved to be very exciting indeed with every race decided right at the finish line. So now let's talk about the heat races. In Heat 1, it was 1975 track champion Ronnie Wallace guiding the 76 home first, but only after a tremendous battle with Captain Nates in the 28 and Freddie Graves in the 39. That was the four-wheel drive car. Following them were Sammy Carista in the 37, finished fourth. Jim Thompson in the 18 was fifth. Jimmy Cheney in the Nelson Powell 1 was sixth. Joe Paino in the 0- 06 was 7th. Scott Wilson in the 27 was 8th. Dan Lichty in the 48 was 9th. Gary Kelly in the 4 was 10th. John Hopkins in the 82 was 11th. And fang. Burt Pitcher in the 43 finished the 12th. The second heat of the day. Found the Lindblad car 96 of Denny Wheeler. By the way, Ronnie Wallace was from Fulton. Denny Wheeler is from Fulton. Grabbing off the victory, but only after he hounded the entire distance, he was hounded the entire distance by Johnny Spencer in the 07 and Warren Conium in the 04. Following them to the line were Dick Batchelder, 21 and 4th. Dutch Hogan, the 78, 5th. That was the Turner Brothers car that was not the convertible. Ronnie Graves in the 76th. Brian Herb, 7th in the eleven, Jerry Busky, 8th in the 16. I'd forgotten he even drove that car. Mike Cronin was ninth in the 25. I was trying to think what car that was. And in my head, the old Duncan rear engine car, maybe, I think. Somebody can confirm that. Norm Macrath in the beautiful Lindblad, flying five. Russ Gray in the 26. And Ron Madison in the 80, rounded out the field in that heat. And in the third heat, Eddie Ballinger from... Fulton with the remodeled car 2 charged home first in the third heat. He was given stiff challenges all the way by Jimmy Champagne in the eight. Bentley Warren in the flying card table. Number 77. Only a few car lengths off the pace were Johnny Logan in the 35. Steve Joy in the nine. Mike Rizzo, the 34. Bobby Stolder, the 99. John Bush in the 45. Brad Lichty in the 84. Paul Strazer in the 33. And Tommy Leeson. In the 97, all of the heat winners were from Fulton that day. And uh, so that's how the heat races went. Now, uh, next week's rescheduled 75-lapper for the Supers, which is their leg of the Port City 150, should be a real dandy. And tonight's regular 45-lapper should be equally exciting so here's how this broke down and I've got to read you from the editorial in this program because again we're chronicling the month of May <laughs> at Oswego in 1976 <laughs> it was just I mean looking back I don't don't even really remember all of this but it was uh, difficult to say the least here is the editorial. From the book, as I sit here writing this article on Tuesday morning, May 18th, I look out the window and it's not raining anymore. It's snowing. The spring of 1976 will have to go down in the history books as one of the coldest and wettest ever. It has caused many a frustration at racetracks all over the Northeast in the last month and a half. And we thought by waiting until the middle of May to run the Port City 150, we'd, e- we'd escape the bad weather but not so we too fell victim to the foul weather and to make matters even more complicated. Now keep in mind that back in, in, in those days, the speedways, if they were on the ball and the swiggle always was used to put their schedule out for the next season, back in the fall of the previous season. So the, the schedule for 76 would have been released to the public in the uh, fourth quarter of 1975. So everybody's already made plans and booked vacation time, whatever it, it, it has to be, right? So just keep that in mind as we go through this. To make matters even more complicated, the scheduled May 23rd rain date for the Port City event could not be adhered to again on the original schedule, which came out in the fall of 75. The rain date would have been the following Uh, Weekend, May 23rd. But after that came out in Canada, a huge NASCAR National Modified Championship race was scheduled. And so it would not have been fair to the modified drivers who would have to choose between two good 5A mile tracks. I'm reading from the editorial here and would not be fair to the race fans who would see only half the modifieds at Oswego and the Canadian fans who would only see half of them at Cayuga. So the Port City 150 has been rescheduled for Sunday afternoon, May 30th, and gives the gates open time and all that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It was the original intention. Now, the Speedway, what you're getting here is, is I think it was George Jr. who wrote this, but what you're getting here is the, uh, the editorial is explaining sort of the um, the debate and the the process that the speedway officials went through to try and figure out how to how to schedule this this race and accommodate both divisions okay and and make sure that all the available cars that were you know would want to come to race could it was the original t- intention to cancel the spring championship for Saturday May 29th and such an announcement was made so the speedway figured out we can't do this on the 23rd because we lose half our modified field to the Kyuga show. Now, so let's go ahead and just run it on the 29th and we'll just cancel the spring championship. So they announced that. Oops. The announcement proved unpopular with competitors and fans alike and proved very confusing since there are more than 50,000 Oswego Racing schedule cards in circulation with May 29th listed as spring championship night. So, again, if you're a fan, you know, and you wanted to come to the spring championship and we're going to cancel it to run the Port City, which is a different race, well, you know, you're probably a little upset. A quick management meeting just this morning, again, while it was snowing in Oswego in the middle of May, they had a, cha- they had a, a manage- management meeting, and they changed the schedule back to the original condition. So in other words, now they're going to run the spring championship on May 29th and the Port City on May 30th, which is a double-double header, basically. On Saturday night, May 29th, the Spring Championship for Super Modifieds paying a $12,000 purse will be run as scheduled. And then on Sunday afternoon, the rained out Port City for Modifieds and Supers with a $20,000 purse will be held. The Super Modified Heats, which had been run on the 16th prior to the rain, Will stand as being run, so the schedule will be modified heats, consies, and then the features in both divisions. Um, okay, so there's there's that. Now, also in this editorial, it was revealed that for next weekend's doubleheader, the Eagle program will see double duty with two special event programs. Both will feature 20 pages of news material, including a color center spread in each. The Sunday Port City program will feature results from Saturday's championship events. Um, Both will sell for a buck and a half, and both you'll want for your 76 collections. So they they were going to do two programs, basically. They were going to do one for the spring championship and one for the, uh, or one, yeah, one prior to the spring championship and then one for the port city, which would have, they would go to work overnight and print the thing and have it ready for the next day. Um, and that's the next program we're going to get to on this show. Okay. So this book um, basically was featuring the washed out Port City 150 where we only got the heats in. So um, this is the second program of the year. We still haven't run a feature race. Okay, you see where I'm going with this? Um, interestingly enough, in this book, it highlights uh, Gary Albritton and Ed Crombie's uh, time in USAC uh, around... The earlier part of that season, when USAC was still the sanctioned body for Indy cars, so some nice pictures there. And I, I again, I'm not going to go through this whole book because um, there just isn't sufficient time to do so. It uh, it's a neat book. Hope uh, hope you've got it in your collection. I will highlight one thing, and I'm not going to read a bunch of answers here, but I thought the big question in this book was really uh, i think it was in this one let me see if i can find it real quick here um i thought it was really strange Let's see did i pass it um i think i may have bear with me a minute here should make notations here uh editorial nope i don't see it maybe it's in the next one uh Let's see. Yeah, it's in the next one. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll when we get to the next book, we'll talk about. There was a really strange big question in there, um, but this this book again was was book number two. And I, the the one thing I do want to read out of this is the expressing your views. Now this was basically letter to the editor. So if you had a gripe, see we didn't have tweeter back then. You know you couldn't twit people. Um, And, you know, we didn't have Facebook or any of the the stuff where you can just, you know, get on and tell the world how, you know, bad the Speedway is or whatever. Uh, You had to actually sit down with a pen and paper, write a letter to the editor and mail it. (laughs) And um, to the Speedway's credit, they answered these. Now, I'm going to read this because, again, we're chronicling the... The, the issues with running the Fort City race. And so here we are. We, we alluded in the editorial part that I read you to why the Speedway changed the rain date from the original rain date of the 23rd to the 30th. And here is a fan whose name I won't read. Um, no reason to, to do that. Um, but here is a fan who is not happy about this, okay? So I'm, g- I'm going to read this to you and tell me if this doesn't sound like the exact same tone that we see so often on social media. Um, and look, I'll say from the start, I've been as guilty as anybody with, with this in the past. I'm trying to get better. Um, a swig rip ripoff is the headline of this letter, May 16th, 1976. So this is like... This kind of reads like a Dateline news story, right? Um, So here we go. Fact. Advertisements and news releases stated the Oswego Port City 150 would have a rain date of May 23rd. Fact. Port City 150 ticket read rain date Sunday, May 23rd, 1 p.m. Fact. The race was called because of rain. The rain date was announced as May 30th. Fact. Fact. The reason being the modified sportsmen have a big race, May 23rd, question mark. Fact, no refund. What of the spectators who relied on your advertisements who will not be able to attend on the 30th. There are only 35 modified sportsman cars for a 30 car field. I'm going to read that one again because I want you to think about that in context of the issues of today with car counts. There were only 35 modified sportsmen for a 30-car field. The crowd was not large as it could have been. May 30th, a holiday weekend, is a much sweeter date for the rain date than May 23rd, a chance for a larger spectator turnout. A swiggle management did not live up to its ticket obligations by changing the rain date. False advertisement exclamation point why did the Swigo speedway not schedule the rain date for may 30th if they knew of this big modified sportsman race that is to be run on may 23rd question mark what mod sportsman race question mark may 29th at charlotte motor speedway here again another part of the historical perspective of this back in that day and age Modifieds ran on big tracks. They had special big track modifieds. May 29th at Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina is running a $75,000 modified sportsman race. Where do you think the top modified drivers will be? Keep in mind, May 29th would be one day before the 30th, which was the rain date that the Speedway changed the Port City to. So this fan is, is theorizing all the all the modifieds are going to be in North Carolina they ain't running up here the next day. Oswego a a Management, how can you or anyone defend these cheap tactics? This is so far below your normal excellence. This letter has been sent to Speed Sport News, Oswego Management, and John Hill of the Syracuse Post Standard. Now, again, in context of today, you know, this fan would have taken that irate piece of, of scribe and sprayed it all over every social media you could find, right? So instead of it, uh, again, you know, I mean, what speed sport going to do with it, really? <laughs> you know, it's just so. Um, again, using the word "fan" in place of the name, I'm going to read the response. Dear fan. We're very sorry to hear you're upset over our rescheduling of the Port City event. Our changing the rain date from the advertised May 23rd date to May 30th was done to please the greatest number of persons involved in the Port City 150 event. Namely, the fans who want to see top-notch supermodified and modified racing and the modified drivers who have braved through so many rained out modified events over the past five years here at Oswego. When the 1976 schedule was made back in October of 1975, there were no conflict of dates for either the originally scheduled Port City on May 16th or the Sunday after. So fittingly, we chose the 23rd as the rain date. So if it rains on the 16th, we we'll run it the following weekend. In March of 1976, Months after our schedule cards were printed and distributed, our good friend up in Canada, Bob Slack of Kyuga Speedway, scheduled a modified sportsman late model doubleheader on May 23rd. Fine. Now we get rained out. <laughs> Do we go ahead and live by our schedule, which means running against Kiuga, which is also a fine 5-8 mile oval, which would necessarily split the field of modifieds for our show probably right in half. Or do we look for another date which would not conflict with anyone so that we can bring all of the top modified drivers back and give the fans the top modified show they deserve and give the drivers a shot at making some good money at Kugan, some more good money at Oswego. Now, I'll say as a sidebar here, so far, I'm on board. The Speedway did it right. Okay, now let's go back to the response. Sunday, May 30th is such a date. The North Carolina show you speak of is on Saturday, May 29th. The drivers that will participate down there, of which there are only a few, have special big track modified cars for such shows. There are other there, wrong there in the thing, but T-H-E-R-E should have been T-H-E-I-R. Their other car or cars will stay up north for the Oswego show. And for the twice rained out spring sizzler, which is the next day, And it says here Sunday, but it should be Monday, May 31st at Stafford Speedway in Connecticut. Barring any major problems, we can anticipate an even better field of modified cars than the 38 we had on opening day. By the way, it says, the number of cars was held down by the weather. There were modified drivers calling us on the phone all day asking us if we were running. And even as we were canceling the show, several were still on their way to the track. Even at 38 cars, it was the best field of big block modifieds assembled in the Northeast so far this spring, bar none. In addition, an announcement was made on Sunday that anyone who wishes to use their Port City rain check for tonight's May 22nd show may do so. In parentheses, it's not May 23rd, but it's close. Close parentheses. Finally, rather than cancel the Supermodified Spring Championship on Saturday night, May 29th, as we'd originally planned, to keep the consistency of the '76 season and not take a major show away from the Supermodified class, we are going to run on Saturday, May 29th, the night before the Port City 150 rain date event. We can't control the weather, and if we could, believe me, you'd never see one drop of rain on a weekend around Oswego. We think we made the fairest possible decision. For all of the people involved in the sport of modified and super modified auto racing, namely the fans, the competitors, and our fellow track promoters. So there you have it. There was the speedways response. So again, historical perspective here. You know, all of you who, you know, who who haven't ever run a racetrack and don't understand. The scheduling and, and all of those little snafus that that come up when you're trying to um, to race. There's a perfect example. Speedway put its schedule out in the fall. Kiuga schedules a show on top of a rain date in the spring for the modifieds, and lo and behold, it rains, and now you have a conflict that didn't exist until the 16th of May and here you have a fan who doesn't have the slightest clue of all of the idiosyncrasies that that go on or just didn't care um you know writing to the speedway furious because you know false advertisement blah 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 (laughs) so interesting that that the, the Speedway and, and there are a number of programs over the, the years in that period of time where, um, you know, the Speedway actually printed people's gripes and then responded to them. And most of the time it was fair. So that was the uh, that was from the second program of the year. Now, the uh, I have in my hands here the Port City 150 rainout edition this was the program that was printed for that right after the spring championship race it was run on May 29th uh for the Port City 150 attempt number 2 on May 30th okay so um this is the program i'm gonna uh, again i'll go through quickly some of the highlights here because we're trying to tell the story of the race more so than details out of the program for this particular segment but this program had um a beautiful cover that i could stare at all day it was the two nelson powell cars the super modified number one limblad car and the modified number 30 limblad car jim cheney um on the, uh, the cover, driving both cars. Now, uh, the spring championship, by the way, won by Jimmy Champagne. I will not read all of the details of that, but that was a, a really great race between Jimmy and Steve Joya, who started the season really hot with the number nine um, and nearly won the race. Jimmy put a move on him. On the 60th lap to take the lead back after Steve had passed him in traffic earlier, and uh, Steve stayed with him all the way through, and it was a it was an amazing race right to the end. And Jimmy Champine ended up winning. Steve Joya finished second. Kemp Dates was third. Denny Wheeler was fourth, and Chuck Siprich was fifth in the Buckner 36. I will read you. The rest of the finish here for the spring championship that was held on May 29th. Here we go. Sixth, the 39 of Freddie Graves. Seventh, the 07 of Johnny Spencer. Eighth, the 99 Bobby Stelter. Ninth, the 11 of Brian Herb. Tenth, the 5 of Norm MacRath. Eleventh, the 80 of Ronnie Madison. Twelfth, the 34 Mike Rizzo. Thirteenth, the 7 of Ronnie Graves. Fourteenth, the 91 of Eddie Thompson. 15th, the 15 of Rex Kinney. 16th, the 1 of Jim Cheney. 17th, the 16 of Jerry Busky. 18th, the 35 of Johnny Logan. 19th, the 97 of Tommy Leeson. 20th, the 27 of Scott Wilson. 21st, the 76, Ronnie Wallace. 22nd, the 33, Paul Strasser. 23rd, the 44 of Jamie Moore. And 24th, the 85 of Dan Denny. That, by the way, I believe was Jamie's first feature start in the 44. Um, And so as we continue through this special program, it's a great uh, profile in here of underdog Johnny Michaels, who was racing modifieds at the time, but uh, uh, also drove for... uh, jim sewell in the 32 super for a while i think he got hurt in a modified and had to get out of the super and i think eddie bell took over if i remember that correctly and again just uh pictures of uh modified action and um some of the super modified spring championship action joe paino a hard crash with the 06 again remember these these are all from the day before now Um, Except for the the modified shots. Um, Here is the big question I I mentioned earlier that I thought was the straight. This is one of the strangest big questions I ever saw in the program. And even for somebody to come up with this idea, um, what I thought was just nuts until one driver gave an answer that actually told me that this idea already was happening somewhere else. Here it is. If you were allowed to run the modified race today with your super modified, how do you think you'd fare in the race? What? (laughs) I mean, I remember slow laps when you'd see, you know, both divisions come out on the track. I always thought that was cool, but they were running, you know, what, 60 or 70 miles an hour, whatever it was. Um, You know, nobody was trying to weave in and out of traffic or whatever. Um, (laughs) Most of the drivers actually said that they thought that they should do really well, or they should win. Um, if the supers were left as they were, in other words, if you didn't change the rules in any way, because they're a second faster and, you know, lighter or whatever. But here was the answer. I, that, that stunned me. Um, Denny Wheeler. I've run a lot against them in Thompson, Connecticut. Really? of all places to run modifieds against supers Thompson nuts. I either broke something or generally got run over in one way or another. Uh, That's what I would expect would happen. Um, I just as soon not do it. Can you imagine some of the, uh, the, you know, again, you think about back in the day, the super modifieds, how they were, uh, you know, the, the, the four wheel drive car, how fragile that was, you know, Freddie Graves, other short wheelbase 38 that he had at the time, you know, Todd Gibson's rear engine car, uh, you know, the Newman car, you know, all of the you think about some of the 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 small sort of lightweight cars that were going on at that time um, running against the big modifieds and actually racing You put us one of those cars between two modifieds and let one of the modifieds get out of control and you could have disaster. That, that was, uh, I laughed at that. I thought that was really funny actually. Um, so, you know, again, this program, the, the, the driver roster for the modified race is in here. And, um, I will read you the editorial column from this program, which was again, two weeks after the editorial from the previous program I just read. So here it is. Here we are for the second go around at the Port City 150 event. The weather forecast is again not with us. So we'll have to hope for the best. We're going to do everything in our power to bring this doubleheader race to you today. Last night's spring championship for the Supermodifieds went off without any weather problems, and we're hoping for the same thing today. In the event the race cannot be held today, okay, <laughs> here again, <laughs> here's your context Why are we doing this mini series? Because this race didn't want to happen. Uh, The rain date will be next Sunday, June the 6th at 1 p.m. The reason it will not be held tomorrow, Memorial Day, is because of another date conflict in the modified division, this time at the Stafford Motor Speedway, where they will attempt to run off the twice rained out spring sizzler. As of 7 p.m. last night, this would have been during our spring championship race, uh, the Charlotte Speedway 75,000 to win, or 75,000 modified show was under a rain hold with 80 of the 200 laps complete. Now, Ivor, who I think w- who also was George Jr. I think George wrote most of this program actually um, back then, but Ivor had a late news bulletin in his column. Now, again, This is great context. This is 1976. Check this out. The results of the Charlotte Speedway have just arrived. The winner of the rain-delayed event was Daryl Waltrip in a modified, a big track modified, Daryl Waltrip. It's not a cup race. This was a big track modified show. After a four-hour delay, the last 40 laps of that event were run under caution. Can you even imagine? I would have been hissing, booing, throwing things, those of you who have known me for longer than 10 minutes know I hate races that are under the caution because they don't ever end. They're just abandoned. It sh- it has to have a green flag finish. Um, after a four-hour delay, the last four laps of the event were run under caution. Jeb Bodine was second. Ray Hendrick was third. Jerry Cook finished sixth. And Balia finished tenth. Um, that's all Iver gives us there. But, but again, just in context, in 1976, we were running modified cars at Charlotte. Um, so, um, let's see. So that's all it gives for that. Uh, and then it does say today's schedule, which would have been the 30th, calls for practice to begin at 1130. First modified heat at one. The Supers have already run their heat races two weeks ago, and result of those will determine the starting lineup for their feature um the super heats were won by ronnie wallace eddie bellinger and denny wheeler so those three drivers will start up front the modifieds will draw for their heat positions and the result of those heats will determine their starting positions for the main there will be concies for both divisions and 30 cars will start each feature event now again i i could go into a much detailed study of this program but um But I I won't. I will tell you, however, that there are a couple of specific things in this book um, that are worth noting here. Number one is that there is a picture in this book of the 38 Freddie Graves car running with Eddie Bellinger in practice, which would have been on the 29th. Okay. Spring championship night. But... Freddie Graves isn't in the 38. Nolan Swift was driving the car in that practice session. And it says under the picture, Swift is expected to see duty in the car today. He didn't. I was crushed. I really wanted to see Nolan run that car. Um, here's a little more context. Okay. And again, the story of this port city, a lot of, I told you, there were some plot twists here. Bentley Warren. This is Ivor in the column for the May 30th program. Bentley Warren is absent from this weekend's racing. He's taking in the Ohio 500, a series of five super shows, and so far he's won the first two. That car sure does run good with a wing, says Ivor. Now, again, bear in mind that uh, that car was the ex-Nolan Swift Timpins that Nolan built for the nineteen seventy. Two season and campaigned until the end of 75 when Richie Evans got in the car at Thompson and just blitzed the field. So Dave Snyder bought that car for Bentley and they put the card table on top of it uh, to simulate a wing. <laughs> And so the flying card table was born. Now, there is another funny story about this program that I'm going to tell you, just because I think it's funny. And, uh, and, and, it, and it, again, um, you know, it sort of fits. So all this, this static around the Port City, the race that just wouldn't wouldn't be run, okay, we're, we're actually, because, again, keep in mind that we did not complete the show on the 30th. Okay? So uh as they say in the sales commercials, but wait, there's more. Uh we're going to have more on this in the next show, but relating back to this program, so I remember that for whatever reason um my my mother would not buy me this program. <laughs> I don't know if we were just really short on cash that week or whatever. But I wanted this program so bad, Um, one, because, well, it was a program, and I, I, you know, even at six or seven, I I was, you know, addicted to these programs, and I think I've told the story before on this show of how, from from 73 forward, uh, when I started going, I figured out at some point early on that um, Carson's News, which was owned by Fran Carson, um, who is, uh, I, who was, I believe, um, is a relation to Robert Metcalf. I keep forgetting exactly. I think he's, I think it's his uncle. Um, but, but Robert, um, talks about him all the time. And, uh, Fran Carson was a good friend of our family. And, um, and, and subsequently later, uh, Jeff also became, uh, a great friend of mine still is. And, uh, of course now his son, John is racing at a Swiggo. Um, the, <laughs> but anyways I, I would go I would call up Carson's news starting on Wednesdays and uh, and and keep calling until they told me the program was in and we'd we'd go right down there and I would actually look through all the programs to find the best racing game combination because it was important to me to do that because if I could win a pass then maybe both of my parents could go for a week because that the, you know they couldn't afford we couldn't afford for them to do that every week so they would alternate sometimes I'd go with my sister or whatever but um anytime that they could get you know free passes then that that helped so but that was always a big deal I couldn't wait to get the program every week couldn't wait to see it was on the cover um you know I was I was strange uh, still am. <laughs> that hasn't changed. But anyways, so here we have this this edition of the program. I can't get it. Well, the the following week, I was in school and I, I was trying to remember what grade I would have been in. And I can't quite, it would have been, I think, either fifth or sixth. I, I don't really remember, but elementary school still. And, um, you know, those of you who are Old enough, we'll remember you used to have art class, right? You used to have art, you used to have IA, whatever. Well, we had an art room. The teacher was Mrs. Smith. Um, But that year, for whatever reason, um, the art room was unavailable. I don't know if they were renovating it or whatever, Um, turning it into a condominium. I don't know. Um, But so art came to Our classroom, when it was time for all of us to go to art, then instead of us going to the art room, the art room came to us. So Mrs. Smith would bring whatever materials or whatever we were going to do for art class and you'd have the class. So on this day, we did whatever it was and there were probably, you know, four or five minutes left in the class. And so, you know, she wants us all to clean up the mess, whatever that means. So, you know, whatever we had around our desks and the helper, whatever. So it's cleanup time. So we clean up. Everything's good. There's there's still maybe two minutes left in 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 that period before, you know. And so um, a friend of mine had brought this program into school and showed it to me. And I asked, could I borrow it to read it overnight and bring it back? Well, So he said, fine. So it's in my desk. So again, we're, you know, I'm done with whatever I had to do for cleanup. So I pulled the program out and, you know, just was looking at the cover and this, this lovely teacher, lovely art teacher who really desperately needed an ice cream at that point, um, you know, spots me doing this and takes the program from my hands rips it out of my hands and throws it across the room. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those, you know, you'll get this back at the end of the semester and it's like, why will it take you that long to read it? Um, kind of things. I, I, I just, I was furious to say the least, but um, I did get the program back and read it and returned it to its rightful owner. And, always wanted this for my collection because the picture of swift in the 38 is to me is very unique and and so that was kind of a one-time thing so i love that about it but also i could stare at this cover all day long because these nelson powell cars are beautiful and this modified to me i had never seen a modified with louvers on the back of it in the back window until this car and um gosh I could just look at this thing all day long it was it's a beautiful car so um tried for years to source a copy of this program to have and um thank you to Larry Trinka who was kind enough to um give me um access to uh to get his duplicates he had, had several duplicate programs from the 70s and was was kind enough to allow me uh, to to have the duplicates and and this was one of them so I'm grateful because I just this program is awesome but it but it is also it's also symbolic again of that race that just wouldn't happen so um, as we continue this this look at the race that wouldn't go green because uh, <laughs> because it wouldn't stop raining or snowing in Oswego. Um, we'll have more, uh, on next week's show about that, but, um, hope you enjoyed this week. It's, it's just fun to, to look back at those things and that, that race, I don't think there was another race in the entire history of the Speedway. There, there have been some that had to be delayed a week or two because of rain, many, I'm sure over the years. Um, but, uh, I don't think any that went through quite the machinations that this one did, which is why I picked it for a little sort of deep dive mini series look. So hope you enjoyed that. Um, we'll continue it next week. Lots more to come here. We're, we're going to do another live show sometime in July. And um, again, somebody gave me an interesting idea for what to do with that show and, and how to be slightly different about it. So we're going to, we're going to give that some thought and uh, see if we can, can do that. So sometime in this coming month, we'll have a, another live groove on uh, Facebook. So that'll be fun. But in the meantime, uh, it is 4th of July weekend. Jody London. I'm sorry, brother. I just hate it. Um, But uh, happy that um, we're going to have a good racing weekend. Hopefully the weather's good. Should be a lot of fun. If you can get to the track, please get to the track. Good luck and be safe. All racers, all divisions, Thank you to all of our sponsors, JNS Paving, IPC Indy, and um, both uh, Skip's Fish Fry and LaGroff's Pub. And thanks to all of you who listen to this show each week and enjoy it and share it. Um, look forward to being back for episode 103 next week. And we'll check out the history of the number 03 in Super Modified Racing. And uh, we'll wrap up everything that happened on the holiday weekend at the Speedway and more. So uh, until then, again, thanks for listening. I'm Tom Baker. God bless and
0: so long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production.